Good afternoon, Rich Nass, Executive Vice President with Open Systems Media and leader of the Embedded Computing Design Franchise, here for this week's Embedded Executive Podcast. This week, I am speaking to Phil Atfield, who is the CEO of Secular Labs um, and a longtime expert in IoT security. How are you, Phil? I'm doing well, thanks, Rich. Good, very good. So um, what you guys do is really out there on the edge with respect to security. Um, a lot of times when we talk about this topic, we're talking about how do you secure your cloud? How do you secure your factory? But I wanna take this out to where the people live um, because IP is starting to get stolen from places that are really the edge of the IoT, not the industrial IoT. Um, first of all, are you seeing the same thing? Yes, we are. It's, and it's actually called managed devices on premises, wherever that might be. So there's you know, perhaps no human involved in operating the system as a user interface, but it's being managed through a cloud backend or some sort of, you know, a partner eco or, you know, uh, a managed ecosystem. So I would think that if, from the hacker's perspective, that might be easier for him than these, some of these other enterprise applications that we're talking about. Um, is that fair? It, it is fair if the devices aren't properly locked down. It's very much, the, you know, these are, these are devices that have full network connectivity stacks. And if they're not properly secured and sort of in the multiple defense in depth layered approach, um, the door's wide open for the hacker to come in and you know, do bad things. Does this go back to the, who would wanna hack my toaster analogy where once you have an entry point, you're, you're in and you, and you have access to the entire network? Potentially, yes. And it could be more like who would wanna hack my camera? Okay, keep going. I don't know. I don't know what you mean. Yeah. So, 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 so think in terms of the concept of a camera and where some of the, you know, some would say doorbell like systems are going, they're starting to do things like facial recognition or recognition of individual people to give you a notification of who might be at the door. And if you think of where the investment is made in those systems and sort of call it the transition from having a heavy application in a backend cloud infrastructure the late, you know, the latency gets to be too high for things to operate in real time. So the algorithms and the base, it's called the intellectual property, are being migrated out to a managed device at the edge. So, like for example, right even down to the camera, and the the investments that go into that software or those systems to make them work, that's that sort of represents the dollar value of that application that's out in the field. Okay, so where does the responsibility lie in in this instance? So so. In all, in all likely scenario, say, you know, customer buys a device and it's part of some service and it's likely going to be the operator of the service or the company that they, you know, perhaps purchased, you know, underlying components from. I mean, the ecosystems can be fairly complex. You, you could be the end consumer, but there might be a device manufacturer, an operator, someone providing software or intellectual property. And at the end of the day, the one that's generally going to start laying the term, the one that generally lays the terms down in terms of the use of the application is the one that provided it in the first place. So they may be defining security standards or requirements for the, you know, for the board manufacturers or system manufacturers and integrators. And it has to go all the way up the stack to the operating environment. So your answer there was somewhat vague. Um, is, is it, I mean, we don't want to rely on the consumer to be the one who's supposed to be locking this down. So is it the end, what, what's the name of that? The guy whose name is on the device or is it 
the is it one step back the guy who's supplying the components into that device or is it everybody it could be the name it could be the name on the device the one in the end who actually builds the product and if there's a separate operator say you know say for example somebody builds the box and then they sell it to you know cable monitoring company something like that it may be the monitoring company that's then involved. It's then the one that's the one that's responsible for managing the keys that are on the device, and likely, you know, as having as having that role, they'd be responsible for dealing with whatever protective mechanisms go in place for the for the intellectual property. It could be. I mean, we work with customers that have very complex e ecosystems and operating environments where, you know, company builds the board. They have several system integrators. The system integrators then bring in application developers. And each one of those is in, it's in a very strictly managed environment who gets to perform what operations and, and do what to the system so that they run in call it like a certified configuration. Okay. But as a consumer, if my Nest gets hacked, I'm going to Nest. If my Ring gets hacked, I'm going to Ring. Exactly. And, yeah. Exactly. And they're, and they're the ones that should be, they're the ones that should be caring sort of at the tip of the food chain. Okay. So from the engineer's perspective, what do you do to make sure this doesn't happen? So what we do, so basically we, we provide uh, software and the workflows for building the firmware and managing the operating environments that allow the intellectual property to be say packaged, encapsulated, delivered to the devices and uniquely encrypted for those devices. So we can do this in a couple of different ways, but at the, at the end of it all, what it turns into is say both uh, in transit, at rest, and during use, you know, even when the algorithms are running, if the customer wants to go to that extent, the, their intellectual property is protected. So, we, I mean, we have a number of different mechanisms for doing it, but it, it, it's, it's all about, you know, protecting, uh, covering off the attack services best possible and based on what resources are available for the hardware. Okay. So it sounded to me like you're saying this is a software issue. It's a combination of software and hardware. It depends on what the application is. So in the case of software, you know, it, um, if it's straight software and the customer is really fussy about the application, we can actually they, that can actually be packaged into a trusted application. And the, the software itself is never in clear text and not even in the same color RAM address space as what the regular application stack would see. So the algorithm is running in a separate isolated hardware, isolated secure domain. And just interacting with, say, the, you know, the the upstack application. So you could feed a camera stream in, for example, to an application running on the secure side, and only the results come out. And the the algorithm itself is protected. Depending on performance, we may we may need to to also isolate, say, a hardware accelerator of some sort. So it could be, um, you know, something like a TensorFlow engine. Um, it can possibly, you know, that can either be moved to the secure domain or isolated through other, other means as well, you know, something along the lines of, say, hypervisor isolation. Is there a fear that these algorithms have not stood the test of time yet? Um, are, sh should people be afraid that these things really could be potentially hacked just because we don't know because they haven't been out there that long? That's a very good point. I think there, you know, there are a couple of ways to game a system. If you thought of messing with the model that's being used in an AI application, you could cause a sensor or an aggregator system to misbehave. And if you can, if you can mess with the data going in as well, you can cause similar bad effects. I mean, if you, you know, if you game a sensor, it's, a, it's like walking up to a, an electronically controlled lock, shorting the solenoid and popping the lock open. You hit the wrong wires and it'll open. It doesn't know any better. 
but the, I, you know, I agree. There's the as you give time, you know, given time, and presumably models are being adequately calibrated with large enough data sets that they're that they're capable of recognizing sort of what's anomalous data versus what's normal. What you describe sounds like a movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger. I very well could be. <laughs> I mean, it, it really could be when you when you look at the way systems can be gamed. You know, think back a few years. There was one put online that was you know meant to be sort of a human response to a chatbot, and the first thing they did was taught it you know taught it to speak bad words and be hostile to humans. They just they totally gamed the algorithm. Interesting. And what's the role of Secular Labs here? So we we provide the the, the MPark security the MSpark security suite which is basically the, the secure operating environment, the code for setting up secure boot, the runtime environment, um, at the cloud connectivity, and uh, at, at the end of it as well, the, the tools for encapsulating and managing that intellectual property, say from its creation you know, by the developers and release to test through to updates in the field. So, and the customer holds all of the keys. So we basically provide them with all of the call it the software components that they bake into their system that allow them to manage the intellectual property or whatever the application is. Very good. Thank you, Phil. I appreciate you taking the time. Thanks a lot, Rich. And thank, thanks very much to your listeners. That was Phil Atfield. He is the CEO of Secular Labs and I am Rich Nass with Open Systems Media. You have a great day.